Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 113. In today's episode, I interview founder of The Wave State, Steve McCary. Be sure to stick around for the end of the show to learn about dissolving thought patterns, diving into Adia Shanti's work, and Steve's new dive into painting. Alrighty, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast, and another returning guest today, Steve McCary. Steve, what's been going on since the uh, last time we spoke? Oh, man, it's been a while, Nick. Um, a lot and a little. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and everything in between, right? <laughs> yeah, so um, I think last time we spoke, I was working on a big project Yeah. with the Wave State, which is my, um, my company. And... That's been put on hold for a little while. <laughs> um, I'm having a baby, which is kind of the big news for me, the big life adjustment. That is awesome. So congratulations. So yeah, we, we can maybe talk about some of the stuff linked to that. Um, so I'm preparing for that. Um, but yeah, man, just trying to trying to go with the flow. Well, here, let's, let's dive in with the little baby here. Like, uh, how, is, how has your life been uh, changed even, even before little ones here? I mean- what, what are you doing to prepare? Like, what are you feeling? Uh, what, are, what are you guys doing to get ready for all this? You know, I, I've worked with women before that are pregnant and doing, you know, getting ready to have babies and post-pregnancy. But obviously when it's yourself, you kind of maybe dig in <laughs> in a different way. I hate to admit that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in the beginning, it was a lot of, you know, a lot of research and, you know, I don't know. There's so much bad information out there that I um, I really kind of just went back to what felt right, and I, I put together a program for my wife specific to her. I looked at some blood work and saw kind of what she might need rather than go with just like a generic prenatal. So I put together some custom supplements for her based on that. And the biggest thing I think is really I haven't I stopped reading. I stopped reading about this stuff. And I just think that so much of the information out there 
um, is fear-based with pregnancy. Do you want to dive into some of that or just like some of the big highlights maybe that you found where it's like, why, why is this stuff still even out there? It, it's, you know, it's the biggest part is that it's a business. Um, the baby business is huge and, and it's not getting any smaller. I mean, look at the world's population. It continues to grow. So, yeah, I mean, I walk around in New York city here and you know, there's pregnant women in strollers everywhere. So it's like, it's, yeah, people are having kids in America and in New York city, especially, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it, it's, it starts with just what you, as you, when you grow up and you see birthing on television and women just in pain, pushing out babies and, um, getting yelled at to push and all this stuff. And I, I don't know, I'm just finding that it's all just kind of, it fits with the bigger picture agenda to keep people scared. And it, it's a natural process. You know, women shouldn't go into it scared. There's going to be some, I mean, I'm not a woman. You've been through this, right, Nick? Once well, or I mean, twice. again, not personally, uh, but well, yeah, but, my wife has, and I mean, we actually have our second one on the way too. So it's oh, congrats, seeing man. it all, uh, come back again, but yeah, no, 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 please, please go ahead with that. Yeah. So I, I just think that it's kind of ingrained into our, um, it's another belief system. Pregnancy is supposed to be, um, challenging and painful. I'm, I'm trying to kind of steer away from that. So like I, I, you know, and then I, I went the other route with going, ordering all like kind of midwives books, right? You think midwife and doula books are going to be more um, or better, and in some in some regard they are, but then they make you feel bad about having a baby in a hospital, so they kind of like they attack you that way. So you really have to dissect this stuff and kind of like just um, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, but kind of just get somewhere in the middle, take a middle of the road approach and do what works best for you. That's, I mean, that's kind of like my health philosophy. Um, you know, don't become like too dogmatic with it. Don't become too rigid and, and also prepare for your plan to not go through the way you want it. Cause you know, you have all these ideas in your head of how you want everything to go. Um, and also, yeah, just you try and plan everything, but it, it doesn't work that way. So I, I've done a little research, especially in the beginning, and now we're just trying to enjoy this time in our lives. And, um, you know, things are going to change drastically with the child, um, but just kind of try and ride it out and enjoy it and see what happens. Well, I think one of the things you said there, like, there's so much, again, negativity around this sort of the whole process. And like you said, things are going to change drastically, right? And yeah. people automatically assume, well, it's going to be sleepless nights. I'm going to be exhausted, like and so on and so forth. Why? Like that doesn't have to happen too. Uh, and, and I think that's an important thing to understand because now, all right, having done this first time through, it's like, yeah, Julie was still breastfeeding. So there wasn't a lot I could do sometimes in the middle of the night. If, hey, she didn't want to and we just, like she, she would pump and so we'd save some. So I could get up and help out in the middle of the night too. But there, there, you have to find these balances. Like I know both of us knew we weren't getting the same amount of sleep we're used to. Right. So yeah. what do we do? Well, we make sure we're not necessarily working out as hard. We're maybe like trying to you go. sit back and relax with each other, like as a family. And you can't, you can't expect with that type of a change for everything else to stay the same. And if you're prepared for that, you're going to, it's going to be a lot easier. You're not going to have these just like, Oh my God, like, why won't they sleep? Like, no, there were, there were nights where 
it'd be only an hour or two of sleep. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I knew that going in and I was prepared for it. And I think the biggest thing I, I would find myself, like if I would get upset about it, I would acknowledge that I was upset about it and then I was okay. But if I didn't do that, it was trouble. What well, totally. It's, it's like how you, like people talk about how, like when you wake up in the morning, if you keep telling yourself you got a shitty night's sleep, you're going to feel like crap. <laughs> as soon as you like, are like, okay, maybe I'm fine. Then you're fine. So it's like, it's totally. And, and also a lot of people, you know, if you come into this in a healthy state, you know, you can handle a little bit of a, you can handle a little less sleep. And I think, you know, in both our instances, you know, we take care of ourselves, our wives are healthy, all that stuff. So it's, um, you can handle that. And then I'm actually, in a way, I'm looking forward to kind of some nights where I have to stay up and, and do things. You know, you can get a quick meditation session in the middle of the night, right? Close your eyes and, and do it. That's actually, I, I never thought about it like that. But I mean, I just enjoyed the time that I, I got to be there with my son. Like, yeah, it, it's fantastic. And I might be just closing my eyes like him there with the bottle or it might've just been laying on the floor next to him if I needed to, I mean, whatever it was, but I still tried to enjoy it for what it was that moment right then and there. Yeah. I think, I think for a lot of people, it really forces you into being mindful. So I think it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've not noticed anything that can make me more mindful than just especially I think in the middle of the night where it's like, okay, this is usually when I'm sleeping, but I'm doing something completely different. Uh, it really brings you present for that. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, so it's going to be fun. Um, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Well, I'm curious because I don't, I've, I've not raised a kid in a city. I mean, have you thought about that then too? Like just the differences. Okay. Some of these people that are making, like you said, like writing these books, making these recommendations, like, it's, it's just a different lifestyle. And how are you guys looking to implement that? Like you said, you see people walking around in strollers. I mean, what is your plan? What is your practice for just being able to continue your lifestyle? Um, but obviously change some things, but keep the baby part of that too. Yeah. So I think we're actually going to be getting out of New York city. Um, we're going to have the baby here and stick around for a little, but then we're going to be kind of probably leaving Mm -hmm. for a little while. And, yeah, I'm not sure where we're going to, we may come back. We may not. I'm not really sure, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we have to figure that out. But, um, yeah, I think for people who do live in the city, um, I think it's, it's definitely a challenge for people who live here and raise kids primarily because usually both people have to work. And so you have to be able to afford a nanny. I mean, if you if you look at most of the, you know, if you go outside right now, it's like, you know, a work day. Most of the strollers are being wheeled by nannies, not parents. So that's a, I don't think that's, you know, that's not something I have to look at right now, but that's a big consideration for city couples um, being able to afford that or, or finding what works best for them. And then... Yeah, I don't know. I think that I think that it is probably good here in a way, but it's just really hard because then you look into when your kid has to go to school, and I don't know if you're aware of like what it costs to send your kids even like pre-K in Manhattan. But no ideas now. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that it costs ten, twenty k for like a year for even like that kind of stuff. This is like three, four years old. 
Yeah, I guess pre-K, kindergarten. I mean, well, maybe four or five, something like that. Yeah, but even still. But early, and they're, they're paying a lot of money. So it's a challenge. And, and then you start thinking about schooling. And, you know, I already have some ideas there. I mean, I, I really do love all the Waldorf schooling and the Steiner and all that stuff and fostering the right brain and the, all the creative stuff for a while before you kind of get them into that left brain, more analytical thinking. I love that stuff. Uh, but then you're like, hey, maybe I should just homeschool my kid. Maybe even. <laughs> I, that's <laughs> one thought I've I've considered, but realize I'm not the person to do that because mm. it's not fitting. I don't want to say like fitting into my life, but it's not like that's not my purpose. My purpose is to educate. I feel uh, well, like my kids, what I do, and I, I want them to see that lifestyle, like leading by example almost. Yeah. But for me to be an educator of a six-year-old, a eight-year-old, a 14-year-old, I, I don't feel prepared to do that right now uh, and be able to uh, help other people in a way that I want to help them too. Um, but I know that there are capable people out there and I want to do my best because I want to help them fulfill their role as that. Like that's what they're set out to do. Like you said, whether it be, the Waldorf schools, I mean, I'm even looking like some of the Montessori schools, just different yeah. options like that too, because that's what these people are passionate about. And I want them to be able to cultivate that passion too. Yeah, that's totally true. They know what they're, they know how to, how to talk to them and how to do that. Totally. So yeah, those are all, I guess those are all the child related things on my mind. Um, <laughs> get them moving as much as possible, right? And that's, hey. I just, for, for right now, just like Cooper, like, Hey, whatever he wants to do, if it's going to be, or when it was starting off, like on your back, on your belly, a little bit of both crawling around, walking around, but not trying to force it. It's like, it's going to come when it's going to come. I want to give him the environment to allow it to happen, but yeah. just let him go for it. Definitely, man. I heard something. Um, I forget who told me this. You might know about this to like increase bone density in children. If you get them like doing exercises in water early. No, I, actually, I have no idea. Yeah. I, re I don't know. Maybe if you see anything on your end about that, but I feel like somebody told me that on one of my trainings that, um, I forget what age, but as soon as you can like get them, maybe like moving around in water, it could actually like help create better bone. Well, I mean, my son, he was, he started like in the pool at least. So he was born in July. So the following, I'd say June, so probably 11 months or so, like he was in the pool, but basically every day throughout the summer then um, he was swimming. So oh, I, yeah, know, but I mean, oh. he loved it. So I'm sure as, as the water warms up in a couple of weeks here, he'll be in every single day again. Yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds pretty good. All right. So, so, so hey. Talk to me, like, uh, so the the Wave State project is being put on hold here. Uh, what? Maybe a couple questions. Uh, when when any expectations on that? Or are you waiting till after the baby comes, or are you still doing a little bit along the way to uh, cultivate that? So, I spent a significant portion of last year trying really hard to make this project happen. Uh, probably trying too hard. And it, it didn't happen. So I took like the last six months to kind of reset, reevaluate the idea and kind of just stop trying as much maybe. So I'm kind of in that mode right now. I have a, I've kind of changed the initial idea that I started with 
Um, I think it's really good. I don't want to say too much about it right now, um, but I think it's good. But um, the timing is just not right right now. So I'm, I'm kind of just I've kind of been adopting this approach where, you know, like with life, you kind of the harder you try sometimes, like the more resistance you get. Right. So sometimes when you just sit back, that's when you kind of like get what you've been trying to get. It's kind of also this analogy of like knowing when to steer and knowing when not to steer. Like <laughs> I, I like, I like using that or knowing like if you're riding a wave, knowing when to let the wave take you or when you need to kind of control the wave and turn on the wave if you were a surfer. But right now my hands are off the wheel. There's so much uh, uncertainty in my life, you know, with the baby, with this project, I'm kind of just, trying to each day, just focus a day at a time. And, and, um, you know, I'm still working with clients and I'm kind of taking, you know, working with less clients, but working on a deeper basis right now. So, um, you know, instead of just doing like a one hour consult with somebody, which is like, it's kind of hard, really hard to break through and get somebody changed that way. I'm kind of working on a little bit of a deeper basis with people. Um, and I think that's, it's a little bit easier that way. But, um, yeah, man, I, I think the project could happen, but I don't know when I'm, I'm done setting, uh, setting goals for it and in timeline, fair answer. <laughs> but, but it, it, it's, I think it's good. And hopefully at some point I'll be able to bring it out to the world. Um, I still have the wavestate.com, a website, which I, I write articles pretty regularly and, um, I have a lot of other kind of tips and information on there, which, you know, people can check out. And then I have, um, I finally started a website with my name, stevemacari.com, which is kind of more where I advertise my nutrition and health coaching services, and, and you can find out about that on there. So, yeah, man, that's the story with uh, that. Well, one of the things I want to talk to, because uh, so I'm, when I'm prepping for talks, like I'm looking at people's stuff online, like doing this and that, and when I was on the Wave State one, uh, I'm looking at it, and... It's funny because I was listening to a podcast, I think right before that. And somebody had said like, people just want you to, there's a lot of times people just want to be told exactly what to do. And I, I'm looking at like the principles and you have these principles to live by kind of, uh, or health principles, like what, however you want to, uh, look at them. I mean, everybody's going to see them differently, but yeah. what's so cool about it is they're still dynamic. Like there are important, again, principles there. Um, but people still are sometimes afraid to take that into their own hands. And that's the point. Like when somebody tells you about something, when somebody shares with you something, when you're working with a client, like you can share with them all you want and you can get deeper, but you still can't make them change. You can give them all the tools in the tool belt, but they still have to cut the piece of wood, put the nail in and actually make it work. Uh, so I think yeah. that's awesome that you give people that, but you're not so dogmatic saying like, Hey, these are the only things that you have to do, or these are the only things you can do. And this is the only way to get healthy, to, to live that life that you want to. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that you need to like, as a coach or teacher, you have to cause sort of a shift in somebody's way of thinking. You have to bring about a new, um, a new awareness, a new consciousness. You need to kind of like get a spark going in them, which is going to make them think differently, whether it's about food or exercise or sleep or just life in general. And, you know, that's when you really get through to somebody. Um, and, 
you know, listen, for a lot of people, there needs to be a catalyst, you know, like a health problem or something, you know, like you know, a lot of people that I, when initially I worked with just wanted to lose weight. That's usually not enough of a catalyst to cause, to bring about major lifestyle changes. Um, so, but yeah, you have to change people's thinking and that's, you know, people have, it's hard to change people's thinking. <laughs> We're ingrained in our thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to kind of get in there. There's so much going on. Um, but if you can, then you can, or if you can start small with like small changes, um, you know, then you can really create a new person or I don't want to say create a new person kind of make people more, more whole. I think I, that's actually the term that I've really been using more and more. Like, um, I, I kind of see everybody as like, maybe you were born whole, right? Then you kind of got a little screwed up. You got a little fragmented. So trying to kind of put those puzzle pieces back in and kind of make people more whole again. I think that's, that's really uh, the approach that I, that's kind of how I like to explain what I do these days too. You know, you're healing people, but you're making them more whole because when each of us is more whole, that really kind of reverberates out to like everybody else and everybody you come in contact with in the world, you know? So what of those pieces are you working on for yourself to really just bring about that, uh, whole being back? For me, um, most recently, I've really just been trying to dissolve kind of certain thought patterns that I've had. And I've, so I'll be honest, like one of the most um, valuable things for me, well, two things in terms of like my whole process. Um, number one, I've spoken about this before is how healing nature is. Getting out of nature. Yeah, this is, we yeah. even talked on this like in our first talk for sure. Yeah, yeah, that. But the other area that I haven't really brought up is journaling and just getting, you know, like, I don't know if this is going to be a video, but just I have notebooks all over the place, which I will just sit down with. And, you know, initially you can just start by, you know, I know remember in our, a lot of our check training, you know, you, you write out like the biggest stressors in your life or you write out the most stressful events of your life. And that's a good start. But if you actually ultimately really want to drill down and understand why you think the way you do, you know, we all have these destructive thought patterns in our minds, right? Like, you know, fear-based, guilt, shame, whatever they are, they're kind of different for everybody. But I think what the key point is that they all start somewhere. They all usually start with some events that happened in your life, usually as a child. And Oftentimes we aren't even aware of these events or these traumas or they could, they might not, you know, people think like trauma, like child abuse or like serious things. But a lot of times I think they can just be some, an adult or somebody saying something to you that just stuck and caused an issue. Like I'll, I'll just give a personal example because it'll help people. So, um, when I was in like kindergarten, I think I had to memorize my phone number. And back when we had to memorize phone numbers, <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we had to memorize phone numbers. And, um, I think I had to get in front of the class and say my phone number. And I like, I got nervous and couldn't remember it. And like the teacher like said something to me and like that screwed me up for like a number. I didn't realize for a number of years with like having number one, like having to memorize and recite things in front of people. And so I figured that out, like how much that was impacting me pretty recently. 
and you can do these sorts of things by just journaling and like writing down memories. Like maybe you write down every memory you've had from, from the start of your life. Think if you think about it, you know, like, uh, you know, I forget what age you're supposed to have memories. Maybe you can remember things from two or three or whenever start writing these down. It can actually really start to open up different things that you may have felt or experienced. So I get a lot of my clients to do journaling and exercises like that. But yeah, most recently that's kind of the area I've been digging in to try and like uncover some of those things. Um, and it's been really helpful. You know, I definitely have noticed shifts personally with, um, you know, kind of my mental emotional state uh, by doing that. So yeah, that, that, that's kind of a little trick. And one of the things I've been working on, um, as I kind of like, you know, I've been peeling off these layers of this onion for the last five years. But, and you're gonna uh, keep peeling layer after layer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep peeling. You know, hopefully not too many more left. But <laughs> but uh, you, that's the other thing. You can't get too obsessive with this stuff either. So like the the other kind of like thing that I've been working on is to. I kind of mentioned this with like taking my hands off the steering wheel and not trying too hard right now. Um, but like the saying, you know, it's like kind of like a Zen saying to seek without seeking, right? Like you're, you're kind of trying, but not trying. You have this inner stillness where you kind of start. Um, you're, I guess what that saying really means is that you're letting life guide you. You're letting every single experience that you have kind of like direct where you need to go. It's like you're navigating a flow, um, like intuitively in a way. So I'm trying the best I can to kind of do that and not really like, like just force things like, you know, white knuckle things or that sort of approach. And um, I think it's been working pretty good. You know, there's lots of terms for it, you know, in the whole self-help self-improvement world you know surrender and uh you know acceptance and letting go and all that stuff but i don't know i try not to attach too much to these words like because that can be another another thing right so i want to dive in actually because you said journaling and yeah you, like you definitely do like a, a lot of just awesome blogs i mean just some of the writing you do uh is fantastic so i'm curious like where did maybe the writing come from? Is this something you've always done or is it something you've developed more recently? Because again, when you write, like everything looks awesome. And to see, like you said, the journals, just more and more writing, like where did that really start? I don't know, Nick. Um, I mean, since I got into the health space, I, I kind of just, I started doing it just to kind of like, maybe like build a little bit of a presence on social media and on my website. And then, I kind of found that I liked doing it. I kind of found that I guess the voice that I write in, you know, people felt that it was kind of, um, I guess in a way nice. It wasn't like I was telling people what to do. Um, and it wasn't like I was like, um, trying to like attack other people. So I think they kind of found it as like a, a gentle voice. And so I kept doing it and, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. I, I like writing. I, I really want to write more. I have like a number of book ideas and I've kind of like started different books and trying to figure out where to go with it. Um, I've probably written a book already with everything I've done if I just compile. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I actually, to be honest, I want to write more of a creative book. 
Like I want to, I want, instead of just writing another like health book with like, here's my view on nutrition and, and exercise and whatnot. I really, I want to do it in a more creative story based way, you know, like, I don't know, like kind of a la like the alchemist and like Siddhartha and those sort of books. Like I think stories really resonate with people. And, um, you know, I kind of want to be, I want to be creative with it. So thinking about doing that. I'm glad you said book because that's one of the things I had down here. I wanted to ask you, like, any work of a book or uh, anything on the horizon? You know, the funny part is I tell myself, I'm like, oh, when I have a baby, I'll have time to write a book. Like, <laughs> 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 I'm thinking, like, oh, while the baby's napping, I'll write my book. <laughs> but I know it doesn't work that way. <laughs> hey, but again, now, now we talked about, like, the thoughts going into uh, yeah. pregnancy or having a kid, whatever it might be. If If you – are if you believe that and you're still open to it happening it could yeah. happen now you also can't be nailed down to this is going to be the exact way but yeah you never know I'll get it out eventually um yeah so thinking about that another thing i've been doing which has been pretty healing is is uh more painting what do you use like what medium well, a few different things. Like, I actually just bought some watercolor paints, and they're really great because they're so simple to just sit down and use, and the cleanup's easy, and you can do, like, like a lot of days I'll just wake up in the morning if I wake up early and come out and do, like, a, a watercolor painting. You know, you can do one pretty quick. Um, so I'll throw something together, and I really like that. And then sometimes I'll do, actually, like, a, acrylic based on a canvas. And uh, painting is just, like, it's really awesome because it just really does get you in a flow and the kind of stuff I'm doing, like I'm really not, I'm not establishing any boundaries. I'm not trying to like paint anything like specific, just, it's just more abstract. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's been a really fun, like form of expression for me. I actually did a few experiments for like, for like a couple days at a time, I would honestly try and do like all right brain stuff. Like, like, well, as much as it can be right brain. So like right, artis right. artistic stuff, like music, like photography, like um, meditation. And it really like, obviously life can't be like that all the time. But I, I definitely noticed like changes in myself, like from just concentrating on those things for a couple of days. Like I have like a ukulele, which I play around with a lot. Um, but yeah, it's it's really fun. It was a really fun experiment to do. And it just made me realize how much I want to do more of that in my life. Um, and and I, I've kind of, since I did that experiment, I definitely do make an effort to do more of those things now. Like even if I go outside in the park, which I live near a park in Manhattan and it's been really therapeutic for me getting out there every day, just kind of just walking around or sitting there. But sometimes I'll take my camera out now and it, it gets you looking at the world like kind of differently with a different lens, you know, literally. So, um, I take my camera out and take pictures of like birds and, and, and flowers and whatever I see. And I don't like, I don't like get mad at myself or I don't like judge any of it. I just do it. And, um, I don't know, like my wife's like, what are you going to do with these pictures? And I'm like, I don't know. Like sometimes I just delete them, but <laughs> like, I just like, yeah, whatever. But I just, I, I do it. And yeah, my drawings, like I don't, I don't get like, I don't try and do anything, um, specific. I just let it, let it flow, you know? Any drawings that have ended up being one of your favorites where you're just like, yeah, put this on up on the fridge. Um, I didn't put anything up yet. Um, 
I do. Well, one theme in a lot of the things I do, though, is I, I just I tend to draw. I tend to incorporate the infinity symbol a lot. It's kind of been a symbol that, you know, obviously it, it ties to like the wave state and it ties right, to like right. being whole and, and all these things I talk about. Um, and I feel it's, it's a symbol that like can't really be corrupted, so to speak. Uh, it has like a, I feel like a lot of symbols have kind of have other meanings attached to them. Um, a lot of times negative, but, um, yeah, I feel like the infinity symbol is pretty pure and I incorporate that into a lot of my things. Sometimes I even incorporate it to the point where I just, I start with a painting and, and sketch the infinity under what I paint where you don't even see it, but that doesn't even, you know, it's still there in a way, right? You still started with that, like as part of your base. So, um, so yeah, man, those are some of the weird things I'm doing. <laughs> well, I'm curious then maybe like, what are things kind of going off this, like making changes and stuff, but what, is there anything that you've been dogmatic about in the past that you've really kind of made a shift on uh, over the last year or two? Yeah, 100%. So I got really, um, I guess I got kind of this spiritual eliteness thing going on for a little while. Like I thought I kind of like was more spiritual than people and more connected and can feel everybody's energy and all this shit. And, um, I also thought I, I kind of knew more than everybody about like what was going on in the world and um, especially with all the elections and all that stuff going on. Like, you know, I kind of like, I don't, I don't even want to say too much about it because I'm going to start falling into this trap again. But, um, <laughs> but I, I definitely felt like I was in some ways better than everybody and knew more about how things work right uh, in the world. And I, I had to get away from that and, um, you know, I was writing these articles about like approaching every experience as like a child and with no belief systems. And I, I realized that I had some pretty strong belief systems about certain things. And I kind of just in recently, I, I'm just really trying to drop that and almost pretend I really know nothing. And like, I, I, I've been asking myself this question like a lot lately, like, what do I know for certain? And I don't know. I don't think we know many things for certain, um, to be honest. You know, we can say we do, but it's, we really don't, you know, half the stuff we know is we were taught in school or we, we were told. And then if, if you ask people where they learn from, oh, I learned from this book or that school or this person, but where do they get it from? You know, you, you don't really know anything for certain. It's a good question to ask yourself repeatedly. So I've been doing that and yeah, man, that's, that's the latest trying to get rid of that whole thing. And it's not easy. You can fall, but you can fall back into it, but that's where the journaling is helpful. Like, if you kind of, um, if you kind of write if every night before I go to bed, if I like I'm journaling and I notice something, oftentimes at this stage I'll notice it pretty quickly. Like I usually catch myself these days, like falling back into these patterns. But if you don't, um, the journaling can be a great way to bring out these things. Now, do you think it's the journaling or the reflection upon the journaling? Then, like, is it when you're actually writing, or maybe like? Okay, uh, for myself personally, like if I'm taking something down at night, usually I always try and read it first thing in the morning because I just yeah. have that fresh, different look about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think just committing to the act of doing it, um, it's. I think it's almost like a, a repetition thing. Like you have to do it, and then um, it's like these. 
to get rid of these things, I mean, really what you're, we're, we're, we're talking about doing is kind of dissolving the negative, the false ego or the negative ego. These, you know, it's kind of this story you've created of yourself and over the years. And it's like, you know, it's, it's you, but it's not you. It's like, um, and it's there for a variety of reasons and you're trying, it's been here for so long. It doesn't want to die. It wants to keep going. So you have to work kind of really hard to like get rid of it. I mean, there, there's a really, um, there's a new spiritual teacher that I've kind of been into in recent, um, in recent months. And he's been really helpful to me. His name's Adi Ashanti. You heard of him? I haven't. No. Yeah. He's based out West. He's kind of like a, a, a Eckhart Tolle type guy. Like he's a non dualism teacher. So like, um, everything is kind of just as it is. There's no good. There's no bad. There's no yin. There's no yang. He's kind of going to the point before that where everything was one. And then the, the yin and yang, the separation was kind of like an accident, an infection. So really, he goes back to the point where everything was whole, where there was no separation, which I found really interesting. I think it's almost, I think it's almost like what I, I finally almost got what Paul Check was talking about when we took HLC three. When he's like, you know, there's pure potential. I remember him talking about that, and it's almost like pure potential is before there was any separation. So it's sorry, it's, my mind's blown right now. Like it, I'm. It, it, I'm trying to process this as we're, as we're talking it's, here. It's crazy stuff because for so long I was stuck in this yin-yang balancing an equation way of thinking. But and to some extent, yeah, your life's about balance. But there's also a point where you can go beyond that. And there is, I think, this oneness that underlies everything. And I think beyond the oneness, there is something even further than that, which is this kind of pure potential idea. But Adi Ashanti really taught me a lot about this. He has a really uh, he has a number of books, but he has a number of lectures on YouTube, and they, they've really helped me kind of like go to the next level with kind of my with what I've been doing, what I've been trying to do. So it's good stuff. Um, it, it's probably more helpful for people who've kind of been on this journey for a little while, but you know, if you're kind of fresh off the bat, it, you might still find something in there good as well. So yeah, I'm. I I think. Like you said, I the last like three years of my studying, like with with Paul and stuff, I think just made so much more sense in my head right now. I I don't know what it is the way you said about like just how that wrapped all together. Uh, that's that's some pretty heavy stuff. Like to think about, yeah, it doesn't. Or I'm also thinking like now I'm going off this. It's like well the yin and yang. Uh, before that they were one. It's like well, or is that balance? Is that becoming the one? Like. I, I don't know. I, I'm just going so many different directions here, and this is actually a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of crazy stuff, and it's hard to talk about. I think when you get into that whole world, there are people who it, – it's a specific like kind of, I guess, sect of esoteric knowledge. I don't know. I think, And I think it's called non, non-dualism, right? A lot of the Zen Buddhist teachers, they, they're into that, and where everything is kind of – there's no right or there's no wrong. Um, things are just as they are. And it, it really, it really made a lot of sense to me because I, I guess I said before, like, what do you know for certain? And I'll be honest, I think I know a few things for certain. Um, I think I know that, you know, we are, and this is deep shit, but I think I do know that we are all one at another level. 
like I am you and you are me is one way of thinking at it. Like, and not just humans, like plants, rock. I mean, every, everything on this earth is like kind of, it is one. And this doesn't really, it's hard to put into words and it doesn't really make sense. But I think like eventually this is kind of a realization that some people, I think a lot of people who eventually get turned on to spirituality and have these spontaneous healings and these aha moments in life, um, I think a lot of the people will, will, that'll resonate with them and they'll kind of get that whole thing. So that's one thing I think I know for certain, for sure. Um, well, Steve, I appreciate that you said on there, like at a loss for words sometimes, because that's when you just said that about, uh, Adia Shanti, like that's where I was. I was just at a complete loss of words. Um, but at the same time, I get it. Like it made sense to me personally. Uh, yeah. Just whether that's because, like you said, we still are all connected and it's just I finally opened up myself to that part of the connection, if you will. Uh, but I, I still don't, I, at the same time, then it's, well, I don't know it enough to explain it, to put into words. So just now I'm not ready to necessarily talk about it, but sit with it for myself and just cultivate that emotion, that feeling, whatever it is. Yeah, and it, it's it's definitely like before the mind, this stuff, like this stuff created the mind in a way. So like the mind can't like the mind, the mind tries to make sense of it, but it can't. I think that's like the, what happens when people like fail, like you tr start trying to make sense of it and you can't, you kind of have to go beyond the mind. And people talk about like, people talk about the void or this place that's where there's nothingness, you know, that's an, I'm going to, I'm going to have to plug my laptop in here, but no, go for it. yeah, that's another like, <laughs> We don't have to talk about this too much more. But that's like another Paul Check thing. He's like, you know, nothing. Everything comes out of nothing. You wouldn't have something if there wasn't nothing. So it's like, or no thing. You know that whole thing that he talked about. So uh, we we can we can go next topic now if you want. <laughs> uh, well, no. One of the things because we're talking about like all these people. Who are like five people that you would just want in your personal mastermind, whether they be dead or alive, but somebody where you can just like, hey, quick. Pull up the phone. You don't have to remember their phone, memorize their phone numbers anymore. You already have it, right? Um, but who, who are just those couple of people that you would just love to always be able to to reach out to to talk to? Living or dead? Either or. Either oh, or. Top five. Yeah. Who? Where are we going? Uh, oh, Paul Check for sure um, is number one. Um, there's a guy, Nikola Tesla, for sure. There's a guy uh, named Walter Russell. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He was kind of like a Tesla-like guy, but he didn't get as much press. Basically, had it's a number of books about the nature of the universe from a scientific uh, metric. I would, I'm getting into him a lot lately. I would love to be able to talk with him. Uh, Ray Pete is a really special guy for me. I would love to be able to and talk with him. And, and you actually can talk with Ray whenever you want if you just email him. <laughs> That's simple. <laughs> Pretty much, but um, and then who else? Yeah, I'd, lately Adi Ashanti, man, uh, he's he's been good. There's one other guy that um, I learned a lot from about kind of the nature of this reality. Um, he's he kind of had some recordings on the internet um, years ago, and he disappeared. He's not really like known or anything, but his name is Jonathan. Um, so he, he had a bunch of recordings that he taught people about spirituality in the world and, you know, 
some so-called conspiracy things and whatnot, but he taught me a lot. So I'd love to be able to chat with him someday if he's still around. Of, of all the people you've listed here, anything, any, anything specific that's coming to mind where you just want to ask one of them? Oh man. Um, I don't think so, man. I, I, cause I know what they would say mostly. <laughs> and, but that's, see, you know, what's so cool about that is yeah. that's not like, Oh, well, yeah, I just know what they're going to say. No, that's more like, no, I've started to actually tap into, like we talked about that one before, like where we're still all together and you're recognizing what they've already talked about for the last 30 years, hundred years, whoever it is here that we're talking about, but you can still access that. Uh, but bringing them to mind is what it allows you maybe to access that answer too. Yeah, totally. 100%. And that's kind of what I was, what I was hinting at that like they, I think a lot of true teachers and I've been trying to, I'm trying to get better at this with my clients too, is to, I think most people know the answer to their own questions. And if they just, and I used to want to tell people what to do. Like, I know what you should do. You should do this. And obviously I give people guidance and I write programs, but I think more often than not, people know the answers to their own questions. And I think a lot of these people that I mentioned would probably just answer my question with another question. You know, like this is like, you know, therapists do this shit too. Like, right. I'm sure they're trained to get people to talk and kind of like get their own dialogue going because they cause ultimately the answers are in there. So, um, yeah. What's I'm curious cause you mentioned before, like with the elections and everything too, uh, what's the most like politically incorrect thing that you've been, uh, either thinking about or talking about with people recently? Oh me, I don't, I don't talk about any of that stuff. It doesn't have to be specifically yeah. with politics. I mean, but I mean, just things where people are like, no way, like you're out of your mind kind of thing. <laughs> oh man. I'm like, I'm kind of strange because I don't really even know what's going on in the world, so to speak. I don't really look at the news or I, I try to avoid all that stuff. Um, man. I see some memes here and there that are pretty funny. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have anything funny. Hey, don't don't worry about it. So I was, I, I'm sometimes curious, like what people will say to that, because sometimes they're like, ah, oh, this and this. I'm like, I don't think that's that politically incorrect. Like, what what did I see? I actually saw something today that was somewhere about. Um, I don't even want to do the symbol, but you know the symbol that Trump does all the time with like three fingers up, kind of like the OK symbol. Yeah, yeah. Three fingers, like um, I've always been taught, you know, based on like kind of like the esoteric teachings that I've been into that that means six, six, six. Oh really? Yeah. And I actually take that symbol really seriously. Like I don't even like to do it. And I, I used to catch myself like doing it in presentations. But, um, I, I, I think that it is this like a six, six, six symbol and it's like an occult symbol for things. But today I saw something where somebody's saying that that is the, um, they're trying to link that symbol to like white supremacy groups. And if you actually look at the symbol, like the, the three fingers, I won't do the whole thing, but like the three fingers up is a W mm. and then there's a P. So they're really saying WP for white supremacy. Right. right. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm trying to joke about this stuff, but like that's something strange that I've noticed recently. Oh my God. Yeah. See now, and that's the thing, like stuff like that. Yeah. I've, 
never even paid attention to, I guess, to, I figured he was just like waving his hand like in the air or whatever, doing, that's his thing. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I believe that there's this whole like world of symbols that like certain people know about that can use to like, I mean, imagine and if those, different than like sign language normally. Yeah, different than sign language, just like simple hand symbols or gestures or things that, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm speculating, but imagine that these things, these basic symbols that are expo- we're exposed to on television, uh, news, magazines, imagine that they can like program your mind in a way. I don't know. You know, like I think a lot of people that are listening might be familiar with neurolinguistic programming and that yeah, sort of yeah. thing. But imagine that there are like, and with that sort of stuff, there is like, you know, people might say something and like do something like that, that anchors thoughts in your mind. I know it goes deeper than that. It's more complex, but imagine that there are these basic symbols that these people are using, which can manipulate you. I don't know. There might be something to it. And, uh, I tend to be cautious with things that don't feel right to me. So I don't, I don't do those. Well, I mean, okay. So for me, it's like the thumbs up, the okay sign, the middle finger, like those are just the ones that are jumping out to me that I really, uh, only ever think about. But I mean, are there any ones besides that, like that you see commonly or that you are just very cautious about in general that you kind of see around a lot more? Um, either that or positive ones. I'm I'm going negative here with, I mean, there could be positive ones in use for, for sure. I don't know. You're not going to see many positive ones in my mind, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I, I don't, there's a few other like hand symbols that might be common, like, um, out there, but I, I mean, I, if people are listening, you know, next time you're watching news or people talk, like look for different, maybe don't pay attention to like, s- stop listening to what they're saying and just kind of look at their gesture. Maybe turn off the volume and you might notice some things, you know, um, it's, in, there's interesting stuff out there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on like that. Um, it's kind of like, it, it can't be too obvious cause then people would pick up on it. But I, I think there's a lot of like, you can call them subliminal messages or um, things like that that are around that I think are impacting people in a negative way, whether they realize it or not. Maybe. Maybe this is stuff that's happening. Maybe it's not. <laughs> and that's another way to think about it too, I guess. Right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't do it just do a hand symbol there. <laughs> so Steve, we're talking about all this stuff. Like, What do you, what do you consider your most uh, unusual health habit that you do? My most unusual health habit. Or the people are like, wow, that one's kind of weird, but you're, it's just kind of normalcy to you even. The, well, there's probably two things. The, the first is it's gotten more popular now, but I take cold showers pretty regularly. Most people can't fathom those, that I do those, but I, I find them to be highly effective. So I take them you know, several times a week, sometimes every day if like I'm going through, if I feel like I need them. Um, and the other thing is, you know, our coffee enemas, you know, people think those are, there's so much kind of call it anal taboo, uh, yeah. with people, but, um, yeah, I, I, those were actually really helped me. Like when I was trying to heal some digestive things, I found them to be really effective and, uh, you know, I still do them. I do them occasionally, you know, like once a month after travel, you know, kind of like clear, clear out some toxins, but. Um, they're really great. So that's the thing that most people would probably judge me on the most and think is strange. I'm actually curious because what are your thoughts on like the cold versus the heat overall for the body? Because uh, a lot of times people say, well, we're running too yang. 
um, like meaning just hot in general and using that coolness uh, to bring it down. Like, I guess what I'm getting is wh- also when do you use these? Because do you want to be, I've, I've been thinking about this, like sometimes I think I want to be more yang in the morning and like heating myself up, but I might want to be more cooling at late and night, like bringing myself down. Uh, do, you, do you notice that you do showers differently depending or do you always kind of take them at the same time of day? I don't – my schedule is a little different than most people. Like I have a lot of flexibility. A lot of times I might be showering like middle of the day. But I, I do I do think the most optimal thing would be to do a cold shower in the morning and then warm at night, 100%. And I actually find that um, a lot of people do really well with like a hot uh, Epsom salt bath before bed. Um, I think it's really helpful for getting a good night's sleep um, for sure. So, yeah, I do think timing is important with those. Um, the whole issue, the whole issue of body temperature though, I I think you really have to go away from those extreme things though. I do really believe in regulating body temperature. Um, and that ties back to your thyroid and your metabolism. And so I I really, a lot of my clients, I I really do have as one of my intakes, I have them log their body temperature. And I I think that this kind of goes back to Broda Barnes and the thyroid and, you know, he likes the body temp technique where, you know, you're your body to run around 98.6 most of the time and you don't want it to go much higher than 99. You don't want it to go much lower than 98. So in theory, so that's, a, that is usually a good sign of a healthy functioning thyroid and a healthy functioning metabolism. And that process right there means that you're going to maintain adequate heat in the body. Um, a lot of the people I work with, or I have them do this, and they're running at like in the 96s and low 97s all day, and usually they have a whole bunch of other things that uh, are wrong with them as well. So a big part of my programs and working with people is 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 tar- getting that temperature up, which is going to optimize your metabolism. And if you're optimizing your metabolism, you're really optimizing like your body at the cellular level, right? Because you're you're getting in each cell is producing energy, and this is like the whole mitochondrial thing and um this has gotten you know big in the functional medicine world like lately you know optimizing energy production at the cellular level right but um yeah that's that's huge body temperature is huge so many people tend to have cold hands and feet cold tip of your nose and these are all signs of hormonal imbalances and a poorly functioning thyroid in my mind and you know the ray pete research is you know he taught me a lot about that as well but um, yeah, I totally focus on getting people's body temp normal throughout the day. That's a big, a big thing for me. And you can do it with food, uh, for sure. The right balance of food. Hey, you can really do it with food and general stress reduction, because food and also um, any type of stress is going to downregulate your thyroid and downregulate your body temp. Based on that, that's kind of my view of everything. Okay, so a couple questions on this because I've not really tracked my body temperature. I track my heart rate, especially like first thing in the morning now. Um, yeah. But reason I haven't done it, like I don't feel like sticking a thermometer in my mouth and just waiting there and doing that yeah. initially a few times throughout the day. Like flat, out, I'm gonna say like I'm not gonna do that. That's not in my plan right now. Like, is that how you still have people do it? Like always uh, orally, or do you have them? Uh, or what type of thermometer do you even use? Yeah, I mean, listen, you're going to get the best reading with a, I think, with a mercury thermometer, but most people don't have those, and you have to keep it in there for several minutes, which people aren't going to do. So I usually have people do it with a digital thermometer, 
just oral digital thermometer. And again, like people find this to be kind of annoying. They don't want to do it. So in the beginning, I have them do it for just a few days just to get a sense for what, um, what their temps are. I, I like pulse also. You're actually supposed to get body temp and pulse, right? Mm-hmm. But again, imagine asking people to do that multiple times a day is not like people don't want to do it. See, for um, me, I think pulse is easy. Like I just have an app on my phone now and it's just, just boom, I just hold my finger up. And from what I can tell, it's pretty damn consistent too. Yeah, it, it's great. And the pulse, body temp and pulse, you get that a couple of readings a day. If people don't want to do it, I'll just say, you know, maybe grab a reading here and there, like when you remember. And um, Well, here, I was going to ask about that. Like, okay, if you're going to do it, like, if you're only going to do it once a day, are we always, like always first thing in the morning kind of thing? First thing in the morning is good, but it's going to be the lowest reading because okay. your body kind of hasn't started like its processes yet. So even a healthy person is probably going to be like on the lower end. So then maybe like every time, every day, like first time that I, like when I wake up and at noon every day or something like that. I would actually, yeah, I would do it um, like by midday sometime. Okay. You should, you should get a pretty good reading. Like your temp should, should go up. Um, that would be good. Yeah. For you. So like either mid morning, mid afternoon, some, whenever you can do it after lunch. Um, I'm just somebody who I always want to be consistent with it. That's part of it for me too. Yeah. So, or like if it's always after lunch, even maybe I would always do it at maybe a half hour after lunch. I think that could be a good time for you to do it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Grab your body temp and pulse. The reason, the reason for, I don't know how much time we have and how much you want to know about this, but the reason you, I, I have a couple minutes if you're free. Yeah, yeah, totally. The reason you want to grab a, a pulse reading, especially in the morning, is because sometimes um, sometimes in the morning you could wake up with high stress hormones. Like so, A lot of people have like digestive issues and other problems that can get exacerbated at night. So that's when you might get a release of like some stress hormones, like an, an abnormal release, like adrenaline, let's say. What does adrenaline do? It kind of raises your body temperature and raises your pulse rate. So if you take your temperature first thing in the morning and then you eat a meal, food brings the stress hormones down and lets you see kind of what you what you really are like your real setting is. Like so basically your body temp and pulse like your body temp can be inflated before breakfast by stress hormones. So stress hormones come down post meal and you can get a more accurate reading. So um, that's the idea behind getting one first thing in the morning and then kind of post breakfast and then post lunch. But, um, that's probably more information than people wanted. You just start taking your body temp. If you're noticing that it's pretty low, you might have an issue. And then other thing, women have to be cognizant of when their cycle is because their body temp changes throughout. It's going to be higher during ovulation. So they have to kind of factor that in as well. No, I think that's important to think about. Like my biggest thing that I've noticed upon waking the day after a heavy workout for sure. Uh, or al- almost always on a Tuesday morning too. Like we're actually, we're talking on Tuesday morning today. My heart rate is usually a little bit elevated because Monday's just flat out my busiest day at work. I don't train on Mondays for that reason specifically yeah. too. Yeah. It, it, you'll, if you start doing this regularly, I don't track mine too much anymore. Um, but when I was tracking it pretty closely, I would, I would notice correlations and if I had a hard training session or if I ate crap food or if I didn't get enough sleep for a few days or if my days were extra stressful, you start to see, you start to see patterns develop, you know, and you saw it in your body, in your uh, pulse, but you'll see it develop in your body temperature too. Like one sure way to downregulate your thyroid is to eat a lot of PUFA, 
yeah. like unsaturated, <laughs> unsaturated fats. So, it, you know, if I would have like, you know, French fries or like a bunch of stuff like that one night and maybe some alcohol or something, I would notice changes in my, in my numbers. And it, for some people that bring, that brings about a level of awareness, which we were talking about, like the tracking. Some people don't want to do it, but if it helps you stay more on track, then it's, it's helpful. Yeah. Just seeing how your mind works, how you can figure it out for yourself. Hey, you got to do what works for you. Yeah. People love tools. I mean, the whole app based market is, is massive these days. App based monitoring, it holds people accountable and, and they like it. You know, it's, it's almost like they have a, a coach, you know, in their pocket. Uh, you know, so yeah, it can be helpful. There you go. Coach in your pocket. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Steve, uh, just in closing, Hey, where can everybody find out more about you? Check out stuff that you're writing. Uh, if they want to work with you, anything like that, please share. Hey, um, so you can go to Steve That's uh, my nutrition health coaching site. And you can go to the wave where I have most of my articles and content and yeah, feel free to email me if you have any questions or want any help with anything. Excellent. Well, Steve, uh, thank you so much. Uh, for everything here, uh, I think my next thing I got to check out is a little bit of Adia Shanti. Uh, see if see if I can bring that all together. So <laughs> right on. Thanks again. Thanks, Nick. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free. So thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. So thank you.